I'm Rachel Hollis, and I've built a multi-million dollar media company with a high school diploma and the free information I found on the internet. In the 15 years that I've been building and scaling my company, I have become deeply passionate about helping other entrepreneurs to do the same. So each week, I'll be sharing tangible and tactical advice and inspiring interviews with the same intention. These are the tools to change your life and your business. This is the Rise Podcast. Guys, I have asked our leadership team to speak to you. Some of them you will recognize from our dance squad. They feel very comfortable on this stage. Some of them are sweating. They're flop sweating right now backstage. (laughs) So I need you to give a raucous, loud, all your love support to the HOKO leadership team. Give it up! I want to make you all jump up and down, but I won't because you're wearing heels and I'm a nice person. Um, The best is that these people have been in t-shirts and sweating and denim. Brad has sweat through like 17 shirts, right? And then all of a sudden I saw him in the hallway and I'm like, what happened? We leveled up. Okay. So um, we'll, uh, can we go through, you guys have in your workbooks, if you're wondering like what they do, what their history is, you can read their resume. Uh, we want to jump right into the conversation so that we can add the most value. Uh, so I'll just tell you really quick, this is Dave. Hey. <laughs> Kristen is our CFO. Brad is our head of business development. RC, whose actual name is Rachel, but when I hired her, I said there can only be one of us. Uh, So we changed, literally changed her name to RC. That sounds like Devil Wears Prada. Um, So she's our head of product. And Dee is the head of the Start Today brand. So also running the merch booth, running the thing in the back, leading out on the divas, also the cruise director on the Lido deck, also checking people in, also the world's greatest MC. Am I right? Hello. Okay. So we know I'm obsessed with finance, right? And so I want to start with our CFO who's just just tickled pink to have to be on this stage right now. Uh, So what I think is really interesting about having Kristen join our team is that as soon as Dave and I started working together, every day he was like, we need a badass CFO. We need a badass CFO. We need a badass CFO. We need a CFO. And I had only ever really had accountants, and then we had a director of accounting, and then we had like an account, I don't even know, like an accounting coordinator. Um, So we had this team, and I was like, what? I mean, they make sure we don't get audited. Like, why do we need, I can see my thing, I know how much money we have. And Dave kept trying to explain to me that you need this person to help you. Like, you need to know, how how I describe the relationship is, I, I go on gut. I go on gut. The dreams are based on gut. I know you really well. I go on gut. Kristen goes on data. And you need that. You need the yin and the yang together so that you don't do something stupid. So will you explain to them if they don't have a high-level person who's handling the finances or accounting, why, why a CFO? Why? Why a CFO? Hold it right here. Hold I'm it right here. See, yeah, this is definitely not my comfort zone. You're doing great, Kristen. You're doing great. 
Kristen's growing right now. I, this is really so am, good. I am yes. definitely growing. So uh, why is CFO? So CFO is going to be a great strategic partner for you as you're ensuring that your financials are compliant and that you have, like Rachel mentioned, all of the data that you can make fantastic decisions upon. So they're gonna get you all of those standard financial reports, balance sheet, income statement, cash flow, because we all know cash is queen, cash right? Is queen. So they're gonna be able to help you control that cash flow to maximize it in the best way possible so that you can maximize your business. A CFO does a lot more than just doing those reports as well. A CFO is going to help you make some of those other strategic decisions as you're building the structure of your business. So Rachel and Dave have these big, amazing, audacious dreams, and they need that structure to build upon it. So we're evaluating right now, what kind of software should we really use? Should we use the software that we have, or should we hire five more people to do what we're doing? Um, you know, really making some of those decisions so that as we continue to grow, we have the structure that we need. I keep telling my team lately that Rome wasn't built in a day, but we're gonna lay like one amazing brick every single day so that five years from now, we have this foundation made of like titanium because mm -hmm. we know how big this thing we're building is yeah. on. And I would also say, I'm just, I'm going to make what Kristen said just a little more sexy. Because uh, I'm thinking of myself back in the day and having, I would be like, oh, that's something that I need later. Right. So when we talk about this idea of helping you make decisions with data versus gut, it's things like when we're picking a location for an event. And I'm like, no, no, we have a really big following in Des Moines. You don't even know. We've got a really big following in Des Moines. And then with data, they're actually able to go, yeah, but if you look at the 10,000 people who have done business with you in the last nine months, it turns out that 7,500 of them are based in Texas. So we really need to have an event in Texas. It's like the... Because here's, at the end of the day, I, I want, we all care about all the things, but you care about how do you make more money. And I would never have assumed, with all love and respect, I know now better, but um, I wouldn't have assumed that hiring a CFO, because she's a baller, so she comes with a salary, that's, you've earned it, you're awesome, you deserve every single thing, but that's an investment that you make as a business owner, which feels scary. And the return on that investment, 10x immediately. Like, what we did immediately, or think about things like this, who sells to people in different states? Do you know the tax implications of selling to people in different states? <laughs> Do you know that each state has a different tax requirement? And if you sell to 50 different states, you are required to do... I did not know that. Kristen knows. She knows, <laughs> right? So it's those kind of things, the things that help you to not make mistakes. It's not what you're doing year one, but it absolutely is something that you need to think about. One thing I would say, too, that's been amazing, the, the thing that the people in your organization are probably struggling most with and afraid most to admit is their competency with finance. And a CFO, who is a good business partner to the leaders in your organization, can create a trust that affords your leaders the opportunity to learn more about the financial levers in the business without having to fully expose themselves to either Rachel or I necessarily, because in partnership, she's able to come alongside any of these people on the stage or anybody else in the company to help them make better decisions that are informed with fact. Yeah. Uh, so D, give it up for D, guys. Yeah. 
so Dee is um, one of my favorite children. Um, Dee, I hired pretty closely right out of college. Is that right? Yeah. Yes. So we've been together for almost five years? Four and a half years. Four and a half years. <laughs> um, and Dee is, um, I, I love and admire her so much because she has really worked her way from, what did, you, did you start as a social media coordinator? Social media coordinator. And now is the head of a brand and a huge division for our company. Um, and it is, um, Dee to me, this is a core value, is the definition of growth. So she is always pushing herself so hard to learn the next thing, learn the next thing, learn the next thing so that she can levels up, level up. Dave said this earlier, but we had a, a meeting recently where we talked about this idea of what we're building and where we're going. There's not one person on this stage right now that has the skills necessary for where we're going to be even two years from now. Every single person on this stage has to level up in order for us to achieve this dream. So D, killing it. Thank you. The reason I want to talk about how long we have been working together is because Dee and I both have a mutual obsession with y'all. We are obsessed with you. Um, so can you talk a little bit about, for anyone who is trying to build that community, take care of their customer, what are some of the things that we've done? And also, this is kind of a weird question, but how did I as a leader instill that in you? Can you think yeah, of that? Um, I think it was the idea that content is so important. Um, starting off as a social media coordinator, Rachel was like, I don't care basically what you post, of course, that it's motivation, inspiration, but that it serves the community and that it's also really pretty. And so even when we were working with um, clients like JCPenney, um, Target, Walmart, it was never like we're just going to post a picture and promote the product. It was like, how can we use this leather jacket that this mom in Montana never thought that she could wear, but we're going to style it three different ways to make her feel so confident. And when I was a social media coordinator, seeing that feedback, it like fired me up. I'm like, this is the reason I do what I do. And I've kind of brought that into every position that I've had. I went from a social media coordinator to the marketing manager to brand partnerships to honestly, you name it, I did it. <laughs> um, but I always learned and it was always this intention that no matter what we do, we're serving you guys. And it came from Rachel because she's giving me this freedom to succeed, but to also fail. I mean, I have failed. I mean, never where I've gotten like close to fired, but <laughs> um, I failed. I mean, it was back, oh my gosh, October of 2018. Not that you remember. Not that I remember. <laughs> um, but we were launching our first product, Start Today, and Rachel's like, this is my favorite thing about Rachel, is she's like, I have an idea. <laughs> and so I just grab my paper and my pen and I'm like, okay, I'm ready. Whatever you want to do, we'll do it. And she was like, I want to launch this product. And I'm like, okay, let's find this manufacturer in Canada. Let's build a new website, all the things. Come um, October 3rd of 2018, <laughs> we announce the product, the website crashes. And I thought I did everything in my power to, like, not make that happen. And I was like, we disappointed her. She's never going to come back. And I just, like, Rachel got on the phone with me because, again, this was such a busy time for her. And she was like, it's going to be okay. As long as we let them know that we messed up, 
that's all that matters. As long as we're super transparent and honest that we made this mistake and we're gonna fix it, then we'll fix it. And so, um, yeah, she's just always been that like, like pushing me to do my best even when I think that I can't do anymore. She's like, oh no, you can do it. You, you know, you can build a website, it's fine. <laughs> I'm like, great, I'm gonna learn how to code, I'm gonna get with the developer and do all the things. Um, and that's constantly what has been happening and I'm super appreciative of it. I think someone at my age doesn't get to do what I do. Um, and so even when people ask like, you know, you've been there four and a half years, you're 27 years old, uh, what's gonna happen? I'm like, I don't know, but like I know that I'm so passionate about it that I can't do this anywhere else. So, thank you. Thank you, yay Dee. I try. <laughs> Uh, so kind of on the same uh, tip, so RC is the head of product. She also manages our customer service team. So can you talk a bit, woo! Um, we didn't have a customer service team when you started. We had one, so is Tara here? Tara's not here, is she? No. Um, so we have one sweet, sweet member of our community who came to the first rise and had always been so supportive. And I would always see her on social media. Like, no matter what anyone would post under our hashtags, there's Tara. She's loving on them. And one day I just reached out. She's a, a mom. And I said, hey, you want to make some extra, you want to make some extra money? You want to come and kind of be our, our customer service person? None of us had any idea what we're doing. We had a Gmail account. That was how we handled that. And um, then journal Gate happened. Um, who was with us during Journal Gate? Okay, if you don't know, uh, we had a crap ton of journals. We were so excited. Our only mission was sell this product, and then we uh, sold the product. And then the company that we partnered with to ship the journals just didn't do it. It was so crazy. And it was the holiday season, and none of us knew. That was the other thing. We're all living our best lives. Yay! Remember, we're eating Jersey Mike's to celebrate, loving. Look, we sold our journals. It's amazing. And we come in one morning, and there are 6,000 emails in our Gmail account. And I remember sweet Tara's like, I think Gmail has a glitch. <laughs> and I'm like, no. <laughs> and it was awful and it was so hard, but in the midst of that, I mean, it, it is the biggest mistake and mess up because we have to own that. Like we, we partnered with the, that person. We have to own that mistake. And I'll just tell you too, so you know, we literally called everyone we knew. Like if you had someone in the phone tree, someone at your church who's in the PTA with you, we literally called everyone in our tiny crappy office. We had our team and we had 25 moms on folding chairs with old laptops, answering emails one by one. Dave and I were calling people. For 10 days, that's all we did was email. And all of us, remember, we'd ring a bell when we finally found an order. We'd be like, we found one. Or you remember when you emailed someone, email back and be like, actually, I already got it. We'd all cry like, one person got their holiday gifts. It was so horrible. It was so horrible. I know it doesn't see. It was so devastating to us because, again, we are obsessed with you. And we were like, people trusted us and they gave us money. Anyone not get a journal? And Is anyone still waiting for that journal? <laughs> I called someone in Alaska. Like, hey, it's Dave from the Hoko customer service. I called you in Alaska. Stop it. That's amazing. And now she's <laughs> It works. It works. But the most amazing thing happened.
happen. This is how it is for you, not to you. And I remember just realness. I remember standing in our kitchen when we found it out that night at like 1030 at night when we realized this was real and we had 10,000 customers who hadn't, nothing had been shipped to them. And I remember us just holding, like literally holding on to each other like we were inside of a storm and bawling our eyeballs out. Because it was the first thing we had done together, and we were like, we already failed. We can't even do this. We can't do this. But then the most amazing thing happened. One of the emails we got out of thousands of emails, a sweet, sweet girl named Taylor who was at Kendra Scott. Taylor sends an email, and she's like, I love you guys. I love what you're doing, and I have been working in customer service for 10 years. I do this for Kendra Scott. I want to come work for you. And we were like, bring Taylor in here. Get her in here. And we built that, that experience, which was so horrific, but it gave us all of our best practices for customer service. So will you talk about how you built that out? Yeah, absolutely. So that was like week two for me. <laughs> I'm also at the Hollis Company. And you were pregnant. I was pregnant. No big deal. We had just moved. Um, but I think the biggest thing to me is customer service is the heartbeat of the Hollis Company. So when I use all of those things as an example, we really were able to take that mistake and really turn it into a lifelong customer, someone who's sitting in the front row. Um, and so, you know, overseeing, being head of product and overseeing our customer service team is the most incredible opportunity because I want each and every one of you to love the products you buy, the hats that you're wearing. But at the end of the day, we want to create an experience. So every single person who walks out of that pop-out shop, pop-up shop, when you come home and you put your hat on, you remember the experience, right? And so we were able to take Journal Gate and make it right and do everything we could to make all of you lifelong customers. Um, and so that really, you know, we, we took the core values that Rachel went over this morning and we um, made some core values for the customer service team, and we live and breathe those every single day. Um, this year to date, our customer service team of seven have solved over 55,000 tickets, which come into us every single day. 55,000 tickets. That's a ticket is an email. So right? That's close to 10 times of how many people are in this in this room. So really, you know, we, we listen to you guys. We hear you. We see you. No matter what it is, if it's a bracelet that's broken or a journal that never got delivered. Um, and so really being able to listen to our customers, see our customers, and make things right and create that experience should be embedded into the heartbeat of every single thing everyone does every day. Can you, can you speak to, because people are so terrified of feedback, we absolutely get people who are frustrated or upset or something didn't go right. How do you train the staff so that they can handle that in the appropriate way, in the way that we would want? Because we sort of lean into like, give them all the products, love on them better, send them a pizza, buy them some flowers. Like how do we, how do we take care of them? Yeah, so I think, again, we go back to those core values every single day. We're focused every single week. Um, we meet every single Monday, and we have a best practice to really strategically think in the future of what are the questions that are going to come in this week, um, and how are we going to be able to react to that, right? Everything is not always going to go smoothly. There are our obstacles, but it's how we react to them every single day. Um, and so really being able to remain calm, right? It's really easy to receive an email or hear from an upset customer, um, and in the midst of it, get 
get a little bit upset, um, but you know, I, I always say to the team, take a deep breath. We're going to be able to figure this out. Um, making sure you know the team is solution oriented every single day before we start to get frantic, um, and it, it really makes a difference. It makes us be able to navigate all of those different issues and come to the table with a solution. Um, and you know, even if there is a screen between the the ticket that comes in or the email that comes to us, or it's a uh, um, you know, the checkout stage, we, we connect, we connect with our customers. Um, and I think whether you're in any type of industry, being able to make that connection is, is it's what drives us. I mean, to, to be a part of a team that is the heartbeat of a company, it's, it makes every single day a blessing. And even the hardest obstacles, we figure out a way to make it right. Yeah. Sometimes we send a pizza, but. <laughs> I will uh, just, I will say this. We had an experience where someone attended an event and they did not have the best experience. It was Rise Together. We will never do it again, but they sent me a note and said that they came in with an expectation that was different from the experience of the event. And in that moment, I had to make a choice. This is the first time I'm hearing about this because yeah. I knew I would I shield, this. yeah. And the reality is I didn't say anything about it to you because of the decision that I had to make in real time because my instinct was to get a plane ticket and fly to this person's house and convince them that they were wrong about how they felt and then win them over and then have them become a part of our family at holidays so that we could then live forever. But instead, I decided to let go of the ego problem that I was having with their reaction to our very best attempt and immediately said, man, what a drag, I'd like to refund your money immediately, and if you had to pay for a hotel or airfare, I'd like to pay for that too. And it was gone, and they were appreciative, and ended up actually becoming a customer in something else that we'd created. But if I'd have spent one ounce of negative energy trying to turn them, change their mind, like spend too much time worrying about what one half of 1% of the attendees thought, it would have distracted me from doing any of the good work that we were gonna go do. You're gonna have people that don't want your thing. You're gonna have people that are gonna be disappointed with your service. They aren't for you. That's not a you problem, that's a them problem. Let it go. Yeah. Uh, the just real quick tactical thing that RC touched on, I wanna make sure you get this if you anticipate, anticipate what is going to come into customer service. So what she means is, if we have a journal launching, they will get together as a team and think of all the questions that might come in and they already have responses prepped. So your, 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 your barista, your staff, the different people who work for you aren't unsure of how to respond to a customer or a client if they have a question. The worst, when I was a wedding planner, I used to say, we never say, I don't know, ever. It, you, teach your, you teach your staff this. You never say, I don't know, to a customer or client. You say, you know what, let me find out for you. Never say, I don't know. So have a plan in advance for how you're going to handle it. Bradley. Bradley. Brad. You may have seen him on the Rise Business stage. And let me just say, we, we, if, who's ever been to, who went to Minneapolis or Dallas this summer? Okay. <laughs> or even LA, so you know that we usually have a warm-up dancer. And we didn't do it this time because we were like, well, it's business, well, they think that's weird. And then the first day, I was like, Dee, 
idea. We made a horrible mistake. We should have had warm-up dancers. And Dee was like, I will find a way. <laughs> Literally. And then within moments, like, all of a sudden they were like, please welcome. Brad, you're getting my Brad and, and the divas, <laughs> which I am still peeing my pants over. That who, like, did you guys notice that they, like, they were like the mighty ducks. They got into a perfect V. With no notice, they were just like, yes, which is so our culture. Like, our culture is like, yes, let's go. We're dancing on stage in front of 6,000 people. Yep. Will you explain where that culture comes from, this idea of choosing joy? How does your background sort of lead into that? Yes. <laughs> to that exactly then, I am a, I'm a person of story, so I just have to do a little bit of story that will lead exactly to this. Ten years ago, I started a business and I started it with someone I was in a relationship with and I gave all my money to that business and then realized that was not the relationship I was supposed to be in. And so in order to get out of that business, I left everything. All my money, all my income, everything. And I started at SoulCycle, right? Um, and at SoulCycle, one of their core beliefs is we're a culture of yes. And what that means is Yes to your teammate, yes we'll find a way, someone comes in they have an issue, yes of course, we'll, we'll find a solution for you, we'll find that yes. And what it also means is when someone walks in and they got engaged, it's yes you got engaged. And when they graduated college, yes you got graduated college. And then when they also lost their father, he said, yes, you lost your father, I'm so sorry. And you lost your business, yes, but you are strong enough to overcome that. And so for me to show up to that core value at SoulCycle, having lost my business, sleeping in my truck some nights at 40 years old, but to show up and celebrate people, their highs and their lows, was so healing for me as a person that I would say it's not the culture that you create in your company is not just for that big world out there. It's for the people that work in your company. Yeah. Because if I didn't have to show up to a place every day that said, celebrate these people, I wouldn't have been healed. Because then it suddenly wouldn't have been okay for me to have lost everything. But the way we all do, you know? So this, these core beliefs of like what you're setting up, it's a small business is such a beautiful thing to me because we love to change the world, but also this is the world you get to create. So the question is, what are the flags you're gonna set down? How are you gonna put the boundaries on your world to say, this is what I want the world to look like to create it from the ground up? So yes, our core belief is, yes, yes. We, like, we are a culture of yes and positivity because within these four walls, we can do it and that's the effect it will have on the rest of the world and the people that come to us. Brad. If someone is trying to create culture for the first time, Let's say they have a team already and they're trying to create culture. Some quick ideas that they can use to, what does that look like? Because we've talked about, I know when we've discussed soul, yeah. this idea of you have to keep instilling it and keep instilling it. What does that look like? Yes, on a daily basis. I mean, we choose joy, which is, of course, my favorite one here. I mean, we say it constantly. Even when we, things, we know things are rocky and it's up and down and it may even be a joke in the moment, we choose joy. But we do it because we know it big picture. We are choosing joy. And so the more we do it over and over, and that's why we started something which every HOKO meeting, every week, we have, um, there are six different trophies, as it were. That are so, shaped like what? 
LaCroix bottles, of course, um, LaCroix cans. So each one it, for one of our core values. So the person that received it the week before gets to choose one of the six, and then they've looked for someone during the week that they feel are representing one of those core, really embodying that core value so they can present it to them in front of everyone, really letting them know why they find that, like you've really shown growth in ways that we just find so inspiring. I see it every day and your positivity and the way that you say yes to everyone around you. And like, so they get to share it in front of everyone else and the person receives it really understands why this is important to everyone else and that they're seen for it, they're validated, and they're heard just for being who they are. And so it's a constant reinforcement about this is the world that we are creating here at the Hollis Co. And this is what we want to do and we do it on a daily basis to remind you because if you get too far out in the world, we forget because the world is a crazy, crazy place. <laughs> But okay. we can remember here on a daily basis. <laughs> yes, thank you. Um, so we're, we're going to end with a big guy. Hello. Uh, so tell me, you came from this massive job, right? You came from this massive job. You came from a company that you were at for 17 years where you were extremely successful and beloved. And beloved. And beloved. And then you came here, <laughs> and we talked a lot about this idea of humility and admitting when you don't know and asking for help and all those things. And you've talked about this before on podcasts, that this is something that you struggled with when you took over the CEO role. Yep. So can you speak to that a little bit? Because now we're going to get into leadership. Yeah. I mean, the story that I, uh, I tell in my book and I've told often was a story that I forgot when I first came into this role. I reverted back to tendencies from the earlier parts of my journey at the Walt Disney Company where I was the beneficiary of fast promotions that put me into places that were outside of the bounds of my competency, that in that space made me insecure, that my not being wholly and perfectly qualified for the job likely had me being judged by the people around me. At Disney, in like the fourth year of my 17, I had four promotions in four years, and after having been put in a job that was bigger than I had deserved, I went to a meeting and I thought my job was to make sure that every other person in the room knew how smart I was. Every time there was a silence in the room, I would inject something, whether it was worthy of or even a part of the, the thing that we were talking about in the room. And I felt very smart for showing how smart I was and we finished this meeting and my boss asked if he could see me in his office and I thought I was being awarded a LaCroix can at the time for genius. Above and beyond the call of duty, thank you, Mr. Hollis, for the showcase of your knowledge in an area where it was not needed. I walk in the door, the door closes, and he says, in words that still, as I think about it, pierce my little baby soul, shut the fuck up. Now, I thought I was like, was it going to be one five or two fives? I didn't know what I was getting. And he just like daggers me. And he said, you have this job because we believe you to be the person who can get this job done. And every time you try and show us how smart or qualified or worthy you are of being in this seat in an environment that isn't asking you to justify your worthiness, you are undermining your cause and calling into question your credibility. 
when I came to this CEO job at the Hollis Company, I had 25 years of entertainment experience. I'd been the head of sales of the Walt Disney Company. I was very successful and had never worked in what any of these humans do. I'd never worked in an online business, never worked in social media, never worked in product, never worked with book royalties, never worked with digital education, never worked with any of these things. And despite all of what it said on my resume, I found myself uncomfortable with the reality that my set of skills didn't align perfectly to this role now that I was operating inside of. And so I would overrepresent the bravado of what I understood from my past life, even though there was no application to it. And this woman, bless her, who had 15 years of blood and sweat equity leading up to that moment, bitter tongue because of wanting to preserve my pride until finally we got to have some great, terrible conversations. Her version of STFU. <laughs> and I was able in, the, in those moments to be able to come more humbly to my team and say, I don't know. I've never done this before. A lot of times, by the way, we're walking into something that neither of us <laughs> Nobody knows. knew how to do. <laughs> But at least in, in walking into the conversation in a way that was more open to the reality that we each needed to learn instead of me representing a know-it-all-ness that nobody wants to frankly follow and was also false and liable to lead us into a bad part of the woods, we were actually able to go on a journey together to find solutions. Be humble. Admit that you don't know. You will get surrounded by things and people who can help you get the knowledge that you need, but only from a posture that humility leading first says, I'm going to need some help here. Love it. Uh, guys, give it up for the HOCO leadership team.